everyone to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Casey. I'm Javen. And I'm Olivia. And we're continuing our series on the Beatitudes. And uh, today's episode is Blessed Are Those... Sorry, Blessed Are the Peacemakers, For They Shall Be... Say one another rest of it. Called... The... Yeah, 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 all right. Bless I was up. trying to wait for Olivia to say something. <laughs> yeah, sure like, you were. Yeah, uh-huh. I got okay. it right. That doesn't mean that you you knew the whole time. I didn't know it. Well, you're a daughter of God, and you're not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going to cover that actually in this. It was a joke. Oh, so today's no. lesson is that only women are allowed to start wars. Yes, that. All right, go home. You've learned it all. <laughs> No, but we are going to dive deeper into that. Obviously, you know, even in the English language, we're starting to get out of this habit. But for a long time, like we would use the expression he and mean everyone. Right. So like the Bible has its own kind of way of doing that as well, where there was language that might sound like it was just per one gender, but it was inclusive to everybody. So that's what's going on here. But there's something I think deeper going on as well, because sons of God, does anybody remember what this term means in like Old Testament language? The sons of God. Yes, we've talked about this before. Yep. Many I times. Yeah. And you're just holding out for him yeah, to answer this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody want to? I don't remember currently. Isn't it? It has to do with the... Um, Hang on, what's that phrase? Alec uses it all the time. Uh, it's good to love The heavenly council? The, divine, the, divine council, council, heavenly council. Yeah, okay, so. I was on the right train of thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So heavenly, sorry, uh, sons of God in the Old Testament is a general, like, word you could use to just refer to spiritual beings of the heavenly world, if you want. So sons of God, they're the ones in Genesis 6 that, sleep with women and then create the Nephilim. Those were sons of God. That just means they were spiritual beings. See, every time you say sons of God, I go back to sons of Adam and daughters of Eve from Narnia. Narnia. And I can't get that out of my head every time. Maybe you should read your Bible more often than you read Narnia then. I mean, Narnia is pretty great though. I'm just kidding. I just got Narnia candles in the mail like an hour ago and I'm Mm. so excited to light them. You should invite Alec over when you do. He'd Just, appreciate that. We'll smell Narnia candles and read Narnia together. It'd be great. Um, yeah, yeah, we've digressed a few times. Sons of God in the Bible, in the Old Testament, were always spiritual beings. Um, even like upper level spiritual beings at times. But it's just kind of like a lump word. Just like... For most people today... Wait, a lump word? <laughs> we love You can't just graze over that. We lump everything mean? into okay. one. Okay. okay. What's that actually called? Blanket term. Is that better? That's better. Yes. It's a lump word. <laughs> so Blanket term better. You, you could just use that to describe like a spiritual being. In the same way demons might mean fallen angels, disembodied spirits, ghosts, the false gods. In the same way, sons of God could be used for, like, spiritual beings of the divine council, if you will. So anyways, all that being said, Jesus comes along. He's talking to humans. And then as he's talking about, like, this world that is to come and those who will inherit it, the 
the blessed ones. He then throws out there, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God, which I would think would stand out to you at the time. Cause you're like, whoa, son, sons of God. Like those are, what you're talking about Jesus. Those are like spiritual beings. And now you're telling us that if we're peacemakers, we'll be sons of God. Like that should just kind of be like a loaded term in that moment. Go ahead, say whatever that face is getting ready to say. So I feel like, I feel like the way that you phrased it is that if we become peacemakers, we'll then become sons of God. It's almost like the idea of enlightenment in Eastern traditions. Uh, no, because, well, okay, so sons of God is a term that we've been using for a long time in the church. Right. We just don't usually think of it in Old Testament context. We think of it in New Testament context, which is, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God, right? Child of God, son of God, daughter of God. We see this expression used all throughout the New Testament. We just usually think of it as like, I'm a part of God's family because he's forgiven me. God is father, right? And I'm now his child. I've been adopted in Jesus has brought me into his family, right? So like... What are you laughing about? That was is quite that, a dramatic laugh there. Is that Casey. funny to you? No, I'm just thinking of it that, you know, people getting adopted and then calling people father. And then I thought about your Twitch stream. Yeah. Where you suddenly stand out these 40 to 70 kids. Yeah. It's not going to make sense to a lot of people, but I was raided on Twitch and now I have 77 children. It's a long story. But that was just the idea that came through my mind that was funny. Sorry. Okay. Well, I digress. These, all these young kids now call me their father because I'm apparently old. Um, anyways, yeah, so sons of God, we use that all the time in New Testament. But if we're thinking like Old Testament as well, then we're thinking, okay, Jesus is now telling these human beings who are going to follow him, who will inherit this new heaven and new earth. He's telling these human beings... You're the real sons of God. Those old ones, a bunch of them are fallen, a bunch of them are corrupt. Some of them slept with human women and created the Nephilim. Some of them have uh, been, you know, they, they joined Satan in his ranks. They're fallen angels. Uh, Job says that God doesn't even trust his holy ones. Holy ones was another kind of expression for like spiritual beings. And essentially like the whole thing is just like, you are the replacement plan. You human beings, not just men, daughters, sons, all coming together to be the replacement plan for the old divine council, for the old sons of God. They will be done away with in this lake of fire at the end, except for the good ones like Michael. You know, we don't have that many names in the Bible of actual angels, but the good angels will be there and then we will join them. And Paul goes down this route too, where he's like, there's there's something happening in one of the churches and he goes up to them and he's like, guys, you don't need to like, you all keep wanting to sue each other <laughs> in your church. Stop it. Don't you know what you are going to become? Like one day you will judge angels, which is a huge statement. But for Paul, that's like judge angels. Like that's a divine counsel idea. That's a 
sons of God type idea. And Paul's mind is like, one day when the new heavens and new earth come and you are given power and authority, you will judge not only each other, but even angels themselves. So like, stop taking this to secular court. You as a church, just figure out how to deal with these problems you've had. It's not to ignore court, <laughs> uh, but in this particular case, you know, like stop suing each other and figure this out like, like real judges with the power and authority that you will one day have. It's already a seed in you. That being said, Paul thinks like as children of God, we will have this kind of like divine counsel inheritance. Like we are moving in, we're the replacement plan. And Jesus goes that route too, when he comes right here and he's like, you know what, the real sons of God, the real people who will reign in this kingdom that's to come, the real family of God, you know how they act? They're peacemakers. They they make peace. All right, what are you laughing about this time? So replacement plan is just, I feel like, I don't, I don't like that analogy. I like more of a sports analogy, which I know you're not going to get. I don't like that analogy. Everybody but, gets their own analogy. We don't even need to hear it. It's not good. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. I sportsed with you last time in your analogy. I'll try he again. He did. He did sport with you. It's again. true. So, instead of it being like replacements, I like to think of more of it as like the backups. So, like a lot of times in sports, somebody occasionally gets injured. Mm -hmm. But the team still must go out there. Mm -hmm. So, if it's... We're the backups to the Divine Council. It's like we come in for those that got injured or... And the injured ones are evil that we throw into a lake of fire. Yeah. Uh, Olivia, as a, as a child of God, with the ability to judge, not need to take it to court, my analogy or his? I'm actually going to go with... A third analogy. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Now, to put this into theater terms, we have the person, the person who was hired to play the role, and then we have the understudy. But of course, we as the understudy, because the original sons of God messed up, we get to play the role. And we throw the original actors into a lake of fire. <laughs> Okay, all right, though. I get, I get what you're doing. I mean, that is usually how understudies take a role. Is by killing the person who is so Stand back on their head. Oh, my goodness. All right. Listen, I was trying to connect with the potential sports audience since, you know, the Super Bowl was just yesterday. Okay, all right, all right. Well, you guys just literally rephrased a different version of replacements. Yes. So I don't know why mine was so bad, but yeah. Well, because Casey did it, I thought I had to do it yeah, too. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. I just wanted to fit in. <laughs> the, I mean, I, I was trying to relate to our sports audience, whatever well, they may be. The analogy still works regardless of which way we go. The only like difference as far as narrative goes, since no analogy is perfect, is that the old sons of God truly have like messed up and will not carry on into the new heavens and new earth that Jesus is now preaching into this audience. You know, he's, he's inviting them. There's an old earth that's passing away. There are old beings that are passing away. And there are people following these old beings that will pass away with them. Whereas this new heaven and new earth that are coming, I'm inviting you to be a part of that. The only 
beings that will exist there will be the children of God. You know, I've got a good friend who's like, when when I wrote this song about uh, um, you know, the Beatitudes, you know, yeah. blessed are peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Like, you should have really made that, you know, gender neutral. And I was like, I get that. But the reason that I like to use that term is because if you know the biblical connection, like that's a bigger statement than just you're a child of God. The bigger statement is almost like you will become a spiritual being <laughs> with power and authority. So that, that's true for men and women, of course, but sons of God is a loaded term. And we often just use it in church as like, we're God's kids, whereas it should be denoting so much more. And what's interesting is usually when you think of someone with that much authority and power and, and uh, going on to the new heavens and new earth and to that world, you would often think of all of that as like, they're going to be violent, they're going to be difficult, you know, they're going to be like, I have power and authority and shall rule over all of you. And Jesus is like, look, a real son of God, a real person with real power and authority, what do they look like? They're peacemakers. Which doesn't that match like everything else we've done in the Beatitudes? It's the poor in spirit. They're the ones in heaven. It's the mourners. They're the ones that will be comforted. It's the gentle, the meek. They'll inherit the earth. And then we have, it's the ones making peace. The ones with true authority and true power. They're, they're out making peace. Okay, so what are some stories in our lives where we would see peace being made? Like where's an example in the church, whether it's in your own life or somewhere else? where you have seen Christians being peacemakers. Let's just start there. I'll throw one in while you think. When we were, when there was a bunch of ugly statements made about uh, Muslims um, four or five years ago, our church. Wait, was it really that long ago? It was that long ago. Wow. Our church decided as we had communion right around Christmas time, that we would light the candle of peace which is a liturgical Christmas thing you do. We lit the candle of peace and we invited people to come up and take communion to partake in the body and blood of Jesus, who's true peace. And as I did that, to also sign a paper to our Muslim neighbors, the only mosque in our area is right next door, to our Muslim neighbors saying, hey, we don't align ourselves with those comments. We're sorry, we love you, we're here for you. If you need anything, let us know type thing. And then we sent fruit basket along with this letter that we've now taken communion over and written together. And uh, um, we received in return really, really good cookies that were way better than our fruit basket. That's just because you don't like fruit. I like fruit. Fruit is God's candy. What's wrong with you? Fine, you don't like green things. That's vegetables, Casey. Yeah. No one likes vegetables. Thank, thank you. So. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Last time we talked about vegetables, I told Jamin he just learned he needed to learn how to cook them. It's true, but that right there is just one example. One example. I'm of trying what? to do a joke. No one understands it. <laughs> that was an example of us trying to be sons of God, daughters of God, children of God by trying to create peace. It's not that like we, of course, would love for them to be saved and receive Jesus, you know, <laughs> but like we do that through our peaceful actions. Like here's a way in which we're stepping across the line, which for many churches might make them super uncomfortable. I don't see any reason that it should have, but we cross the line of what some are comfortable with for the sake of loving 
our neighbors, our literal neighbors in that case. So other examples of peacemaking in the church? I mean, there was an attempt at peacemaking that failed. Uh-oh. And it doesn't say blessed are the peacemakers who are successful. Because <laughs> I remember there was a time where um, there was conflict between the leadership and we, we attempted to try to help reconcile, reconcile them, mm-hmm. although it did not work. Well, so like forgiveness and reconciliation, we've talked about that in past weeks. Those would be examples of attempts at peacemaking, right? So like uh, forgiveness would be another way of making peace. There was that horrible shooting at the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church back in Charleston, if you remember that. Man, that was uh, 2015, so five years ago. Uh, Everybody heard the story. That was all over the news. You just couldn't believe that a white supremacist young guy just walks into a church and kills a bunch of people at a Bible study. What a lot of people didn't hear was the um, moment where all the people who were affected at that church show up at the hearing for this guy and then tell them that they forgive him and that they love him. Like, who would do that? You know, like, no one, no, no human being responds to you murdered nine of our friends and family with we forgive you and we love you and we hope the best for you and that you'll find Jesus. But that was for them the Jesus response, just as Jesus dies on a cross and yet makes peace at the same time with those that don't deserve it, us. So many of these people in this church show up to the hearing and say, you killed my friend mom you killed my grandma you killed my daughter and yet i'm here to tell you that there's a better way that we hope you find jesus you took something special from us uh something we can never get back but we forgive you and we love you like that's peacemaking at a level that most don't have in them to achieve so that would be another example And the stories go on and on as to what we can do to make peace. I think one of the things that I would push back, and this is what I've learned over the last few years, like in my first book, A Taste of Jesus, I wrote 100 pages on peace in this 500-page book. In other words, I wrote a book about peace inside of another book. (laughs) Bookception. Yeah, bookception. And I thought I had kind of like figured out peace pretty well because I spent so many years kind of focusing on that. But over the past few years, I've had to really kind of rack my brain a little harder. You know, we've seen like a lot of like racism show up and and things like that. And uh, there have been many who, so like racism, Christian nationalism, the list could go on as to things that the church has been involved in. When I look at these things, like they are contrary. Is that, that's the opposite, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. They are contrary to what the Bible preaches, right? Like the Bible is like racism. What are you talking about? We let that go. Like everyone is welcome into God's kingdom. You can't evangelize if you have racism in your heart, you know? Um, and in Christian nationalism, we've done episodes on that. But anyways, in order to keep peace in the church for a while now, we just haven't spoken on these things. 
like, oh, people get offended when you talk about racism. Let's stay away from that. Or people get offended if you talk about politics in church. Let's not get into that. And a lot of times we, we act as though that's what peacemaking is. Like, we got to keep the church on one page, so let's not bring up divisive issues. I don't know that that's right. I don't think that's peacemaking. That is what my friend on Facebook said was peacekeeping, but it's not actual peace. Like, it's peace that is not peace, I think is an expression the Bible uses. You about to say something? Yes, Do I it. would like to. Do it. Expand. Okay. Yeah, go. And why this is actually the opposite of peacemaking. Mm -hmm. Because all that does is make it so that People, okay, so not talking about issues. If you've ever been in any sort of relationship, whether that be a friendship or romantically, or just known another human being, you would know that not talking about issues means you're going to have a lot more bad feelings towards that other person and means you're just building up for a worse outburst. Outburst. Mm -hmm. Whereas, talking about issues before it becomes a problem is a much better form of peacemaking because it will actually stop a conflict from happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like when the peace that you're keeping is hurting other people, you are certainly not practicing peace, right? So like, like racism, if you are allowing racism to go on because you're like, well, I don't want to touch that, that would disrupt the peace of the quietness about the issue. You are in no way making peace. Uh, you are also not keeping peace. People are being afflicted by this. And Jesus, when he comes around, even though he's the ultimate peacemaker, right, dies on a cross for people who are, are killing him, just like this whole Charleston type thing, he was also very divisive. Like he wasn't like, you can believe and think whatever you want and just follow me. Part of the definition of what it means to follow Jesus is to follow him as he is. And as he is, is so divisive that he said it would turn your family against you. <laughs> like, and that's not the case for everyone, but like there are many people who, especially of other religions, that when they decide to follow Jesus, their whole family will kick them out or kill them possibly you know it's like in other countries where this stuff is especially like unheard of it's an extra mile of of dangerous whereas i've seen i think in the past year i've seen families become divided over all different kinds of issues um, as generations viewed things differently and generations younger generations would bring up subjects that older generations didn't want to hear about. So we, we have to, I think, be careful as to what peacemaking is. It is not keeping things quiet so people won't kill each other. It is bringing out what Jesus said. And if anyone disagrees with that, they need to be convicted that they're not living up to what Jesus, Jesus' standards were, you know? Um, and that maybe takes discernment on a lot of different cases, but uh, um, Jesus is ultimately the one we're following. He's the one who's preaching this. He's the one who's giving the peacemakers a chance to be sons of God and get into heaven. So if we want to follow someone else's standards and call that Christianity, it's just not. 
So anyways, with all that being said, we are God's uh, children, sons and daughters of God, beings who will move into the realm of spiritual beings, the replacement plan of the divine council. We are powerful. We are authoritative. We can make good judgments. And the list goes on as to the way that the Bible paints us as Christians. Like we are not just small little people here on this planet. We live that way. But we are really like powerful people that have been called into God's God's family, right? And yet the ways that we live as we continue to see throughout this is bringing ourselves down a notch because the real sons of God, they're not out there wielding all their power and authority. They're out there making peace. Whereas usually power and authority leads to violence and death and all kinds of other things. So with that being said, let's hear your thoughts. Head to our Discord or make a comment below. Let's talk more about peacemaking there.